Miracy. Michael Swartz is a bit unique in that there's this interpretive element to it, but any scenario where one-on-one kind of coaching or diving into someone's unique situation is going to be a huge part of the experience and the value delivery, it's really important to design around that. Hello and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Ari Eni, the Director of Growth at Miracy, and I'm here to kick off Season 3 with my co-host Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey Ari, welcome to the show. Thanks Abe. I'm excited to be taking over for Danny, and at this point, I've worked with over 100 entrepreneurs on the creation and execution of their online courses, so I'm pumped to see what we showcase this season. It's going to be a lot of fun, and really looking forward to it. Awesome. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course, or the business model behind it, or both. Today we welcome Michael Sheridan to the show. Michael Sheridan is a dream expert, radio talk show host, and the creator of the Ashling School for Dream Interpretation. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Thanks for having me. So, Michael, to kick things off, could you give us kind of a 30,000-foot view of you, how you came to kind of what you do, and to the world of online courses? I was really kind of dragged into it kicking and screaming. My sister wanted to do a dream interpretation course. I did not want to do them. And I thought this is just going to be a waste of money and time. And I brought a dream along and submitted it anonymously and they interpreted it and it described me to a tit and my jaw hit the floor. So that was really what started me off. And it pointed to traumas that held me back, things that I knew had happened early in my childhood, but I didn't think, you know, I, I didn't think it was still affecting me today. It was like, you know, I survived that. Everything's good. I'm an adult. We're all good to go. But it, that isn't how it is. So I learned how to heal childhood trauma at the same place through working with dreams. And I just fell into it. I loved it. And that was like 33 or 34 years ago. And today I'm still working with dreams and I'm more passionate about it. And I'm learning more and more all the time from the dreams I get from people. Shortly after I got into that course, I ended up on TV. I was on Ireland AM for years. Every six weeks I was on. I was on two radio stations, alternate weeks for years and years. It was just like every door opened for me almost magically just because of being able to interpret dreams. So tell us how you came to online courses. So around 92, all my courses were in person. And my main course was helping people heal childhood trauma because that had worked so well for me and just changed me profoundly. It was more than that. There's more than that to it. I help people understand what their life purpose is, what their spiritual gifts are, all that sort of thing. They're all in our dreams too. But then I focus on the biggest block that a person has and, and help them heal that. And I did that in person only for about 20 years. And I'm a real tech person. My day job at the time was software engineering. And when I saw the technology mature enough, I decided I would basically teach my course online and try it out. I mean, I basically just taught the course as I did in person, using PowerPoint slides and things like that. It was very complicated, very difficult. A lot of people had difficulty with the audio, downloading the app. And that was many times that would be the start of the each week of the course. And it was, so it was kind of annoying. And the technology kept improving and I kept experimenting. And then I eventually found Zoom and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing because it just works. You download, you install the app and it just keeps working. And it was the end of people having technical problems. When I found Rizuku, what I did was I created a series of 60 videos and put them into modules, 12 modules. And I released them separate from the content where I was doing the work with people. And so it allowed me then each week to say like, here's two modules, watch these, 
And in our time together, I'm only going to work with you on your dreams. And that really changed the playing field for me. I didn't know at the time how much it was going to change things for me, but it really changed the field. And so it allowed me work much more deeply with the individuals in the course. And I started getting better results then because of that. I mean, that just makes sense. That's something that I was curious about because I feel like the topic at hand, I mean, healing childhood trauma, that is a very deep and personal topic to the individuals. So I was curious how you balance it, you know, between group and individual. So you do have both, but it sounds like you're still doing some individual work on those group calls. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I think what really helps people to see is like, I'm not the only one. Yes, other people's childhoods are different. Their issues are different. But I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one that had this terrible things happen or whatever happens to be. And so there is a huge amount of solace from the fact that, hey, we're all working on something. And it definitely helps. And another part that helps is for you to be able to share your issues. So if, if you're the person I'm selecting, and maybe I'll select three or four people in the group class and work with them individually in front of everybody, but everybody can ask questions if they want. There's something about you sharing your issue in front of others that also helps with the healing process. And it just works great that way. So now I will never do it differently. Is that something that people agree to ahead of time? Like they know that that's coming? Well, I'm very selective. So if I see a dream that has very personal, sensitive details, I will keep that for the private session. Mm -hmm. So I will generally pick something that isn't too difficult to admit to, or if it is something very complex, I will ask. But that really doesn't tend to happen. I also have a great sense of humor. So I bring a lot of humor to it and it keeps the energy light, which is what we want to do because the dreams are going deep. The healing is going to go deep. But if you can understand where your goal is. Like, this is why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it to focus on the issue. I'm doing it to focus on the goal and the healing and where I'm going to be after that, you know, so we keep it there. In addition to you, yeah, like incorporating humor and lightness, are there other ways that you found to build connection and engagement? Understanding. When you understand the person through their dreams. So if I'm looking at somebody and they have everything ultimately in a dream will boil down to a masculine or feminine energy issue. And that sounds very abstract. It is abstract. Like, what the heck does that mean? So feminine energy is all about your philosophy of life, your feelings, your intuition, your ability to care, to love, forgiveness, to be compassionate, that sort of thing. If you see somebody has an issue from the start of life where they didn't feel mom's love, then they're going to have issues with those things. They're going to retreat from the world. They will maybe not share their feelings. But when you ask them about it, like, how do you feel? They're just going to tell you, they're always going to tell you that everything's good, that they feel fine. They think they're sparing you from sharing you hearing about how they really feel. But they really have kind of like isolated themselves from the world. They don't really feel like they belong, even they're, if they're in groups. And they're always in their head trying to analyze, what do I need to say? What do I need to do to make sure I'm not rejected from this group? Because mom's lack of love to them comes across as rejection. And they just feel like the world doesn't really want them there. And when you can explain to somebody based on their dream what their real issue is, they just open up. And so they might feel like this is the first time anybody's ever really got me. You know, I've been going through the world looking at, the, at life from the outside in and nobody knew that about me. And this guy knows it. And so it's very disarming that way. It's like, OK, what do I need to do? If you can point at somebody's particular issue, their very next question is going to be, how do I solve it? And so we get there very fast because of the work that we can do with the dreams. And like I just gave an example, kind of high level example of feminine energy, but masculine energy has all its own things. Masculine energy is about confidence, belief in yourself, feeling worthy of the space you occupy, being able to set boundaries, all that sort of stuff. But we don't talk in masculine or feminine energy terms when working with clients. We talk about the real issues that they have so we can figure it out from the dream. 
But ultimately, it all comes back to that. But when you understand somebody's issue, they're just wide open. They want your help. How many people do you tend to have in a cohort? Because it sounds like there is a lot of you know, very direct involvement with the people that you work with. So this was, until I did the hybrid course, I would do classes in person and it might vary from 25 people in a class to 10 people in a class. But I wasn't as impactful as I was able to get to with the online courses. So after a few years of doing the online and when I got the hybrid model right, I stopped doing in person. Even though a lot of my clients would be local, I'd just say, look, it's better. Yeah, it's better in online. There's no question about this. So it just helped enormously by moving online in terms of the efficiency and the effectiveness of everything I did. And I was able to maximize the amount of people I could work with because 15 to work with intensely is really quite good. Do you want to speak to you a bit to the marketing side as well and kind of what you experimented with there and, and how you wound up at your structure? Sure. I wasn't able to film my courses. I had everything worked out. I knew how much I needed to charge. I knew how many people I could work with at a time and all that sort of stuff. Everything was lined up, but I couldn't fill the classes. And eventually I met Ari and Ari said, I said, I have a marketing problem. He said, no, you don't. It's a sales problem. And I didn't believe him. And I said, okay, well, if it's sales, I will hire somebody to do sales. And he said, if you can't sell your own product, you can't hire anybody to sell your product. And I was like, oh no, that just makes sense. That, that hit home. So I already had all the marketing. I just didn't have a sales funnel. I didn't have a way of filtering the people that I was talking to, but that's where I was. So I got a lot of training, training in how to sell, training in how to set up my sales funnel. And I still remember too, the first time before I cranked the wheel of it, Ari said, now don't worry. The first time you run this, it's not going to work, but then we'll see which wheels fall off the wagon and we'll fix those. But it did work and it just kept working and kept working and kept working. So I had been looking for some time to leave my software engineering job and do this full time, but I wasn't able to do it. But as soon as I set everything up based on the training I got with Miracy, it all worked. And I went from my best year before that, where I was just working flat out, was only like less than $40,000 to more than $200,000 and improving all the time. And that gave me the capacity to start adding more courses to what I offer. So I now have quite a range of courses. Thank you so much, Michael. Any last thing you want to add or anything like that before we start wrapping up? Yeah, I'll just share something that I did learn the hard way. Don't do free courses. It's okay to do webinars and things like that to get people onto your list. Make sure you have a system that filters out the people that you do not want in the room when you have other people that you do want in the room. And so I will never do anything that's free anymore. Even if you just charge some nominal amount of money that you're going to give to a charity, it'll stop hecklers. It'll stop people that aren't in it for any other reason than I'm going to kill a Saturday afternoon and I'm going to enjoy myself. So I would say always charge something for what you're doing, even if it's $5, because it'll keep the people out of the room that you don't want in there. So to clarify for people listening, your marketing events or webinars that you're running to bring people into your program, those are paid or those are free? They're free. So they're free because that's to a large group. There's very little interaction in that. I and mean, I do answer people's questions at the end. I interpret some dreams on the fly, all that sort of stuff. But before I ever get to an event where I'm going to make a pitch and try sell to people, I want to make sure that I have the right people in that room. So I will run a whole series of emails that people do. So I have a lead magnet. People will download my dictionary. Then they're going to get a series of 11 emails. Then they're going to get a pitch to come to a webinar. So a lot of people have already dropped off at that time. So I know that the people who come to the webinar are going to be the right people for me. 
And then at the webinar, I'm going to make a pitch for a very inexpensive course. It's $97. I lose money on that. But it gives people an opportunity to spend a small amount of money, see what we're really like in person, because we do one-to-one work with everybody in that course. And then in that course, we, if appropriate for whoever is in it, we have this other healing course. I think you'd be a fit for that, or we have another course. And that's how we do it. So by the time we ever get to somebody, they've had multiple interactions with us, either through the emails, through the radio show, through our newsletters, and they know what they're about. So we already know at this stage, we've got the right people. Cool. Thank you. So Michael, where can our audience go to learn more about you and your course? So they can go to dream-analysis.com. That will give people access to hundreds of videos, uh, podcasts, and articles about dreams. And they can also get our dream dictionary and have a look at their own dreams from that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and Ari will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. Ari, let's debrief. What stood out to you here? So one of the things that really stood out to me is the really great use of the hybrid model here, where he really did the work to be able to focus on the things that only he can do and he could do live only. So he put in the effort to create the pre-recorded courses and videos for people to go deep on elements that they need to, but kept and is able to maximize the amount of people he's actually able to support because what he does needs so much individual attention. So I think he did that really well. And it's something worth noting for people who are thinking about the hybrid model and do need to do a lot of individual work, even if they're just coaches. And here's a way for them to increase their business and be able to support more people by pre-recording all the stuff that you just say again and again and again and again. You don't really need to be live on the call with someone as you're explaining something. Yeah, and it seems like that's especially critical in cases like this one where a lot of the value that's coming out of this experience is from this one-on-one work. And Michael's approach is a bit unique. There's this interpretive element to it. But any scenario where one-on-one kind of coaching or diving into someone's unique situation is going to be a huge part of the experience and the value delivery, it's really important to design around that. The other thing that came up to me is just his use of humor. And more than anything else, I think it's just his use of his own personality to connect with people and not shy away from it. I feel like a lot of people feel like they need to be very kind of sterile and professional on their course videos and in their courses in order to come across right as opposed to really highlight their uniqueness and kind of the way that they can stand out. Yeah, I think it is really important to bring your personality and unique voice in, especially as the courses on a lot of common topics have become very professionalized and commoditized. And as a result, they're quite lacking in personality and uniqueness. So one of the ways to deal with that commoditization is just to be yourself. That's like your superpower. And it doesn't need to be humor. Whatever the way is that you relate well with people and that you've found that people are attracted to you because of some quirk of your own personality, lean into it. The other thing I think people can take away from Michael's story is just the importance of iteration. I mean, we've talked about that before and certainly didn't invent that idea, but it's something that I think we lose track of easily because there's an expectation that we'll just have an idea and it'll work. But that's not actually how things typically play out. 
it usually takes multiple like iterations, experiments, and just improvements over time to get to something really, really impactful. And so we saw in Michael's case that that was what he needed to do with his course, right? It wasn't amazing right off the bat. It was a great idea, but the course needed to evolve, you know, through learning from people, moving into more of a hybrid model, creating videos, shifting technology platforms. Like there were several steps to get it to where it is today. And his marketing had to go through several iterations to get to where it is today. So it was not this overnight success story. It was persistence and sticking with it and going through those iterations that made it a success. And allowed him to feel successful with it. I mean, him taking essentially six months to figure out what is even the format he wants to really deliver with. I mean, that's a long time, but it's worth it to land on the thing that will really make a difference. Yeah, I think that's all I had. That's it on my end as well. Great. Michael Sheridan is the creator of the Ashling School for Dream Interpretation. To learn more about his upcoming program, head on over to dreamanalysis.com. That's dream-analysis.com. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of RZQ, here with my co-host, Ari Eni. Course Lab is part of the Mercy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb is our supervising producer, and Danny Eni is our executive producer. If you don't want to miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, make sure to follow us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And are you enjoying our show? If so, go ahead and leave us a starred review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. I'm kicking this one off. Okay. <laughs> I've listened to Danny do it so many times, I don't even know what he says. All right. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show 
is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. Why are you stopping the recording? This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.